listening to the Vagabond Way podcast. The journey goes ever on with The Long Road. This episode, fishing for cheeses in East Anglia. Life in a rock and roll band being explored diligently and dutifully here with Steve Bonham's memories of fishing for cheeses or something like that. You'll have to just listen for yourself to try to work it all out uh, in East Anglia. Uh, Kev Moore takes us on his next steps along the Camino Trail and Chris, the Bishop Leiden, that's me, I talk about failing to boil an egg. The Vagabond Way podcast featuring The Long Road is exploring the world of the troubadour, the adventurer, the vagabond. The world isn't beige, it isn't processed, it's authentic, it's rich and it's real. If those are the sorts of sentiments that make your brain light up, then hop on board. We are embracing all of those things, we're celebrating all of that, and we'd love it if you join us on the journey. Greetings, I am Chris the Bish Leiden. Thanks for popping us into your ears and into your brain this week. We'll try not to take up too much room. On to business. The uh, parish notices first. Uh, there's going to be a live streamed gig from the Long Road on Sunday, the 14th of March at 5 pm UK time. Just head to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash the Long Road Band UK, or our YouTube channel, the youtube.com slash the Long Road Band, uh, and it will be simulcast. I, I think that's the, the fancy word for it in both places. Me, Steve, and Kev are actually together in a room for the first time in a long, long time performing live. Uh, I'm looking forward to it immensely, uh, and it would be great to have some supporters watching. 5 pm UK time on Sunday the 14th of March. We'll be playing some of our brand new songs, a couple of which are already out on Spotify and all that, all those places, um, washed away and something's got to change. Uh, but there's also a couple of brand new songs which are yet to be released, so do check that out. Uh, a reminder too about our impending Festival of the Artisan on Friday the 26th and Saturday the 27th of March, the UK's best acoustic music, live streamed directly to your home. Bella Hardy, Blair Dunlop, The Long Road, Little Roosters, Elaine Davidson and our own Steve Bonham doing a solo slot uh, and Kev Moore is presenting the Artisan Club on this Saturday afternoon with four great up-and-coming artists, Callan, Ed Ramsey, Yana and Paul Bunting. Ball Bunting, I'm so sorry, Paul. Paul Bunting. Uh, and you can get your virtual backstage passes now from festivalofthearteran.co.uk slash box office. On to today's podcast content. Uh, you might be forgiven in thinking that the first five minutes of this week's three-way chat between Steve Bonham, Kev Moore and me was essentially Steve relaying the details of a fever dream he'd either had or was actually currently having. Uh, the line betwixt reality and fantasy is so gloriously blurred here. Stick with it, we do start to make a bit more sense. Um, and as usual, I'm going to hand over to me. Here we are again, the three of us are together to, for another of our podcast chats. We've got Kev, uh, not quite at home, but in his, well, in his home home. Of yes. Derby. Kev's in the UK. Hello, Kev. How are you? I'm good. And we've got Steve, who has our actual home in Derby. Hello, Steve. Guten Tag. Guten Tag. There we go. Nice bit of formal, formal German. Formal German. German. There, yeah. <laughs> good, yes. And so today we're talking about the, the funny places we found ourselves kipping after gigs. Yeah. Prompted by something that Steve, Steve has been thinking about this week. Steve, what's your story? It's part of the theme, isn't it, of this podcast that we should consider the 360 of... Uh, life in a band you know and the life bit, in a rock and roll band and it, yeah. um whenever i've read you know about other rock and roll bands they seem to do far better than we do over the years in they end up in posh hotels and uh usually accompanied by some life something 
uh, you know, the, the unexpectedly met at the, as they left the the venue. But it's never like that at the bottom rung, is it? It's. It, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I remember in particular. Uh, I remember we, Chris and I. We 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 played a gig in a big Dutch barge uh, over in East Anglia. Did with, with in a, a barge? Did yeah, we? It, was a, it was a nice guy, but quite grumpy. He was very cross because we'd set up in the wrong corner of the barge. Well, oh, was this? The, this was this. Uh, you're calling it a barge? Was this the ship? It was. Well, well, the I barges they, have corners. Yeah. Well. It, I think it is it's, a ship. It is a ship barge. I mean, Dutch barges. You I don't know, because sorry, you know, I, don't, I don't know the technical difference. Well, between all it's because you know Holland, much more nautical than Holland, I am. No, well, Holland's a bit confused. Most of it's technically at sea, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, yes, uh, you know, uh, technically a bit like uh, you know, a bit like we are at the moment. A bit, a bit <laughs> are at the moment. And so they're barges. Yeah, they they anyway they're big. Anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah well, anyway, it's been a grumpy king. But in my head, it, in my head, this this I'm going to call it a ship because I don't know. The word. You can call it a ship in my, if you like. In my head, this ship was like a galleon. It, well, it was. I, I mean, yeah. I might, I might, it was like a. It wasn't made of. I mean, maybe it was made of wood. I don't. Know, but in my head, I remember this being like a pirate ship. It was made of wood. <laughs> And, and it, we had to go down very, very steep stairs. Indeed, we had to go down very. And steep. we were squashed right into the corner. I had a shelf on top of my head, right there. Yeah. So I couldn't. <laughs> I, I had to. I had to play my tuba in a slightly funny, funny. You did with cricket angle. Your neck. Um, yeah. Yes, I, I remember, <laughs> I remember that. that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they are big because of the e damn cheeses. You know. The, <laughs> right. You're going to stack them. They're quite big. Uh, anyway, it's nothing to do with. Are you telling that. me that this ship was designed? <laughs> On the on the lines of how many Edam cheeses it could yeah, take. Yeah, it's a bit like you know how horses have hands. Right. Dutch barges are measured in, in cheeses. Measured in cheeses. Yeah. This was like a only a fifteen <laughs> cheese kind of cabin, wasn't it? it was, it, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But there was probably At most fifteen. There was probably about eighty people. Yeah. It was like squeezed as a telephone box. It was. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you sort of bed down and lifted your guitar up as you do occasionally with the beat. It was a bit like fishing. You'd come up with someone's knickers or <laughs> handbag or something, you know, chuck it back in the audience, you know. Because you yes. it's yeah. all right, you know, you're, you're allowed to catch them, but you can't take them home. It's, uh... <laughs> anyway, the one, one bit of, the one bit of um, planning that we completely ignored was what we were going to do afterwards. And there was this very nice couple from West Norfolk Radio said, oh, you can come and stay in our house. And they, we, so we thought, oh, brilliant. And we had a van and we set off. We got the house and, and they had a radio station, West Norfolk, Jane, Jane and Brian, wasn't it? Mm. Jane. They had mm. a, a West Norfolk Radio. and they did. <laughs> so at midnight, we're having a few beers. It's never a great time to interview anybody. Uh, <laughs> we did a formal interview and, oh, yes. and then they said, oh, well, you could sleep in these beds. That was really sweet of them. Except they had cats, you know, and you know, it's about cats. I mean, some people like them for reasons I've never really understood. But as far as I'm concerned, I am incredibly allergic to them and they hate me. So uh, <laughs> It's a lose-lose situation. D- these cats have got my number, so I thought I can't sleep. So I said to Jane, I said, don't worry. It was a lovely, so, so I'm going to... I'll go and sleep in the van. So I got in the van to sleep, but I think we'd hired the van, and whoever had had it before had been transporting fish in it, because <laughs> as you lay on the floor, 
thanks be to cod you know it was uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was oh, i cannot i cannot cannot sleep with my nose in fish all night so um that, i got out the van and uh, i got out the van and lay under a tree and, uh, and i there i slept i slept under an oak tree yeah and I woke up really early um, in the morning. And you know that strange thing where you think, I've no idea where I am? Yeah. <laughs> well, I did that. And then when I worked out where I was, I said, I'd rather not know. This is so bizarre. This is... <laughs> that, was, that was me under a tree. It sounds like a, a wonderfully sort of romantic nineteenth-century thing you were doing there of going to commune with nature and uh, and and sleep and sleep under the tree and um, you know be inspired by. It's nature. very Byron, isn't it? It should yes. it should be it should be except you uh, you get dew in your close to places you know, so. <laughs> <laughs> and probably covered in snails. Yeah. <laughs> we had a, a a rude awakening when I when I did my tour of America with the gonads. And unfortunately, this was the first night's accommodation, so it, it did worry me for the rest of the tour. Thank, thankfully, unnecessarily, but at the time, I was a bit concerned. So we did our first gig in, in New York. Uh, it was probably the CBGB's one, I think. I'm not sure. but um, uh, And then we were dutifully driven away to this motel. And um, CD doesn't cover it, you know. You, you yeah. got to the... There was like a little window, like, like a little pay window... <laughs> And it was literally to rent by the hour for the local ladies of the night. Oh, my, wow. So it was serious. <laughs> if we, you know, how many how many hours do you want? I said, well, I, I'd, I'd like to have a full night's sleep, please. Yes. <laughs> you know, and yeah. he, he's looking at me like I'm the weirdo, you know. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You're the problem in you're, this you're, scenario, Yeah, Kev. yeah. So we so got the thing. And, totally and bugging band. up our business model. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The, the rate card only goes up to four hours. Yeah, well, yeah. I, I don't. Come, I don't understand this overnight business. You know. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, there was another band that was like our support band that was tagging along, called the Filth, a very good punk name. Um, they were nice lads, really. But this this one guy is kind of hanging out, and, and we're, we're chatting, and we got quite matey with him. And, and me and Dave, the guitarist, we we had a room, so. And he came, and he sort of, he came in the room, and he's chatting, and we're having a drink, and that, and he sat on this chair, and it got to the point where, like me and Dave were saying, well, you know, we're we're gonna we're gonna kit now, mate. So you know, where where are you staying? And the guy looked really sheepish, and he said, well, we we can't afford rooms. Oh, and we're like, ah. <laughs> so they were just trying to catch. You know, because yeah. he hadn't managed to get off with somebody or whatever his plan had been. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stuff. He just was like, so he just he just slept on a chair in our in our room <laughs> for the night. Bless him. We didn't have the heart to kick him out. It was basically um, a ladies of the night hourly motel that we were staying. Wow. In. I think in all my, I think in the travels I've been, I think I've been quite lucky really with places I've ended up, especially. Mm. I mean. Often, often I'm sorting it out, so I don't know what I'm getting. But on tours that other people have organised, generally it's been, uh, you know, it's been very, very few surprises. There was one lovely surprise in uh, when I, I was on playing in Paris mm. years ago, and the um, I think we must have arrived and gone straight to the gig, and then we were going to the hotel afterwards. So we were all dead to the world, having been travelling and gigging, and uh, we got there late, and it was 
well, actually, what can't be that late? We got there, but we hadn't eaten yet. Mm-hmm. So we got to the hotel, and we were, it was tiny little it was tiny little rooms, nothing nothing flash. But we stepped outside and realized directly opposite there was this Chinese restaurant, Chinese slash Vietnamese restaurant, and they were still open. And we were like, perfect, let's go in, and actually had the most incredible basically family meal with this family that runs and runs this restaurant because they were Fabulous. they were kind of closing up but we we popped our head in and said you know we're really you know we're really hungry can you can you do it and they basically treated us like family for the night oh, and we got this glo- we got this glorious meal we didn't know what we were eating i love it when a plan comes together I made a note of what this place was called because I thought, well, the next time I'm in Paris, I'm going to come back here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and unfortunately, the next time I went to Paris, it was years later, and the restaurant had closed. I literally went, I didn't. I, I said to my travelling partner at the time, I was like, I don't care what your plan was today. I'm going to find I'm going this here, yeah. restaurant. I'm going for the next best meal of my life. Thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, but unfortunately, it was closed when it closed. When we got oh, there. what a it shame. It was no, shame. no longer there. That's brilliant. I mean, I love those little happy accidents that occur with for meals and that. The, the converse experience of my hourly motel was when we were booked into a five-star hotel in Germany. But because of the nature of the tour and the logistics, I only got to spend an hour in it. That was incredibly <laughs> depressing. Yeah. So we, we, we literally, after the gig, we drove God knows how long, got into the hotel at like three in the morning. I ate everything that was free in there, jumped in the shower, had the most luxurious shower, lay down for yeah. 10 minutes, my alarm went... And off we went on the road again. And I'm like, why? You know, the amount of places I've had to stay in like all night that are horrific. Yes. And then you, you get a superb one and you've only got time for a shower. The kindest bit I ever remember was really early days is uh, when I was in a, a, a folk duo with my friend Tim. And it's the first time, it was, I think, the first time we'd ever gone to Woodworm Studios, which is now wow. where we go and record all the time. In those days, run by Dave Pegg of Fairport Convention, uh, who lived in the house next door to it. Um, now, Peggy is uh, one of the, life's really good guys, but, but he's loud and he's friendly and he's never found a, a full bottle of anything in his life because it doesn't <laughs> exist. And uh, But very, we turned up, we were so broke, we had no money, um, Basically, we had this uh, old car of Tim's, which, you know, we used to say had fancy lace work. There were so many little holes in it. And <laughs> that that was where we were going to stay, sleep, because we, we were there for three days. And anyway, Peggy came and said, well, you know, where are you guys going? So we said, oh, we're just going to go and sleep in the car, don't worry. Anyway, very sweetly, he said, well, no, you can, you can sleep in the studio. And the engineer said, you know, he doesn't do that. So it was, that was really kind. And he found us some pillows and some sleeping bags. And we, mm. we, we settled down for the night after a, after a night in the pub, the George, with, with him. Yes. Uh, yes. Uh, but what we didn't know is that he then went on to a party. <laughs> and three o'clock in the morning, he, he had a disco. It's still there, guys. Next time you look, there's a yeah. disco ball on the ceiling. Yes. Three o'clock in the morning, this disc, there's a floodlight, the disco ball starts whir- whirling, and this voice says, this is the police, this is the police, this is a raid, please lie on the floor. And bloody hell, what's going on? Anyway, I, I open the door, and there's Peggy, and he's now found himself a megaphone. Now, if you're going to give Peggy anything, probably not giving him a megaphone at three o'clock in the morning isn't, isn't really a great idea. Anyway, the next yeah. morning... To continue this graciousness, 
his wife said, do you want, you guys want to come and have some breakfast? So we went into their kitchen, and it was Christine, his wife at the time, and she said to us, it's a bit frosty in here today, uh, so don't worry. If I said, what, what's the matter? He said, well, after Peggy had visited you, he'd, he'd gone back in the house to find his daughter in the lounge with a, uh, with a boyfriend, and all the lights were subdued. So he crawled across the floor with his megaphone, got right behind the settee and said, come in, number 67, your time is up. <laughs> <laughs> and apparently this boy had done himself quite an injury. Um, <laughs> and left. <laughs> this part of the podcast is, is usually the more philosophical uh, segment, something in which I attempt to explore some idea or thought that may be relevant and encouraging even to you, dear listener. And my topic this week is, well, sausages. Yeah, sausages. There are a couple of things which seem to make sausages timely and relevant. The first is that the festival of the artisan will undoubtedly be quite fuelled by sausages, thanks to the magnificent sponsorship of the Sausage Man, uh, a company which gives to the needy and hungry sausage lover the finest German sausages um, and supplies great events like Glastonbury, etc., And the second is that sausages have taken such a pivotal role in the history of the long road, fueling our hours in the studio and our days on the road, particularly in Germany, where the Bishop Kev and I drove a zigzag path right across that great land, looking for the perfect worst. We're also playing gigs but at the heart of it was a search for the ultimate sausage, which, in fact, we did not find, giving us more than enough reason to one day return. Why this deep love of the sausage? Well, the sausage is the perfect artisan food. It requires great skill, processes, curing, drying, fermentation, even culturing to produce the great sausage. It's really ancient, and venerable. There were sausages in Mesopotamia. The Chinese had sausages, Lop Chong. In 589 BC, you could sit down for a Chinese banger of goat and or lamb. Homer wrote about sausages, and I guess Homer Simpson ate them. The Greeks had a comedy called The Sausage, and Aristophanes wrote a play called The Knights, which featured as its core storyline a sausage becoming a king. Is there any more inclusive food in the world? There are North African, South African, Chinese, Japanese, Korean, Filipino, Thai, Turkish, British, Bulgarian, Croatian, Danish, Finnish, French, Italian, Icelandic, Maltese, Dutch, and of course... German sausages. The mighty German sausage 
is a symbol of a great nation. Fearing the worst during the COVID-19 epidemic, the Germans have been encouraged to stock up plentifully. So there you have it. Not only is it artisan, but the sausage is global, multicultural and bloody lovely. What's not to like when you're chewing on a piece of ancient history? And to a band like The Long Road, they prove that life on the road is all specs, drugs and sausage rolls. And finally, my favourite sausage joke. Two sausages in a frying pan. One says to the other, it's getting pretty hot in here. To which the other replied, bloody hell, a talking sausage. Now, purely because it contains the line, a taste of something fine, um, indeed, that was, perhaps still is, one of the alternative titles for this song. Uh, But just to link in with the delicious sausage theme that Steve has established there, um, here is, uh, and be sure to join in the choruses with the line, a taste of something fine, uh, Silver Moon, Silver Girl, from Steve Bottom on the Long Road. Enjoy! Drank so deep from seven wells Said come on girl, let's give them hell They're waiting for the final bell Sold their souls as far as I can tell Give me a taste of some fine The world out there is catching fire That old damn mule has lost a tie The angel and the saints conspired Leave me just a gun for hire Give me a taste of some fine Tonight, 
side by side in the fatal light Something crazy, something right Shall I stop here? Well, I think I might To give you a taste of something fine everyone and welcome back to Kev's Cafe Corner where you'll remember that these days you're joining me on my Camino trek that I undertook to the city of Santiago de Compostela in northern Spain. You might remember that last week I'd opted to stay a second night in Gijon so that I'd had a full day to explore the city and that night I sat chilling in the lounge of the Bugolo hostel, the guitar on my lap, strumming, composing and gazing out to sea in utter contentment. I'd acquired a new roommate for the night, a young Spanish guy who, as far as I could tell, wasn't walking the Camino per se, but just wandering. We chatted a little about the things walkers do, how much are you carrying, how are your boots, etc. I was soon dozing off. One's sleep pattern is so different when you're on the road. You crash out early and sleep incredibly deeply and wake early. However, on the morning of Tuesday, October the 13th, my roommate was already on the road ahead of me. I showered and made a coffee and performed my ritual, the repacking and organising of my Patagonia, the 21 kilo rucksack that I was beginning to feel was an integral part of me. Today promised continuous rain. No matter, I'll look for wonders along the way, anything to take my mind off the utter decimation of the arts and therefore my children's futures by the duplicitous Tory government in the UK. I was a bit annoyed initially that I'd let the news into my head last night. However, when it directly affects my kids, there's no choice. But the Camino doesn't ask you to leave your baggage at home. It asks you to bring it along and address it without interference. And so it seemed entirely in keeping with my thoughts that today's walk was urban. Gijon is bigger than you think, following the bronze Camino shells set into the pavements that mark the way. It took me several kilometres to reach the outskirts, passing as I did so Banksy-inspired graffiti art at various points along the route, which added some much-needed colour to a route that was mostly through horrid, criss-crossed railways and roads, a network of filth and chaos servicing factories, belching smoke and roaring like ancient dragons. The trucks rumbling incessantly past me, kicking up spray. The rain, even the rain felt like dirty rain, not a cleansing one. But don't misunderstand, I did my 27 kilometres today in good heart. The way teaches you to accept each day with equanimity. It's not out to get you, it's there to teach you. And its lessons appear when least expected. Today... I patiently waited behind an elderly Spanish lady in a pharmacy. When she'd carefully placed her change in her purse, 
She turned to me and saw me. Some huge creature with wild hair, a purple poncho and a six-foot staff, and exclaimed, Ah, Pellegrino, a Santiago? I said, indeed, I was headed there. But I pointed outside at the weather and added, Pero muy mal, but it's very bad. She fixed me with the wisest, kindest stare and said, No, todo bien. No, everything is perfect. And it was. I'd booked into a very cheap hostel in Aviles. It was right in the centre of the town. When I'd phoned to confirm, I spoke to a small child. It was very odd. I tried to convey that they needed to pass a message on to their parent that I wanted to stay, but they seemed able to deal with it. I was a bit concerned and wondered if I'd be expected. I found the building and made my way up a winding, darkened and ancient staircase to the hostel, which was situated on the third floor. There was a note saying to ring a number as the door was locked. I duly phoned and the child answered again. I managed to glean that they would be along shortly. I waited. And waited. Perhaps half an hour. Then I heard movement downstairs and a woman with a small child appeared. Ah, I thought, this is the diminutive phone operator and her mother. I greeted them eagerly and they said hello, but other than that they ignored me and continued on up to the next floor. I must have waited another twenty minutes or so. The woman came downstairs and knocked on the other door on my landing, the one next to the hostel entrance. She shouted something through the letterbox and then disappeared back upstairs. Moments later, the strangest man I have ever seen appeared in the doorway. He looked for all the world like some kind of Terry Pratchett, Hobbit, ZZ Top hybrid with a voluminous white beard and unkempt cotton wool hair that was being unsuccessfully kept at bay by a tiny baseball cap perched on the top of his head. His beard was escaping out of the sides of his mask like candy floss on acid. He was fascinated by my walking staff, my camping lights and my T-shirt in that order. And when he opened his mouth to express his awe and wonderment, the sound that came out had me fighting not to collapse in hysterics and I forgot all about how long I'd been waiting. He was the small child, except he wasn't. He just had the voice of one most peculiar. The hostel was truly grotesque. A lime green and orange bedroom festooned with hideous art, suspicious-looking beds and condoms in the wardrobe, and as I sat down to gaze at the hand-painted camouflage television set, I felt like I'd tumbled into an alternate reality. I double-locked my door and laid out my bedroll and sleeping bag on the suspicious-looking bed. No way I was coming into contact with those sheets. Next week, find out if I escaped without being whisked off to Discworld. Bye for now. on the uh, Bishop's Daily Bread frontier. A confession, no less. Delia will be furious when she finds out. 
even more so when she finds out I actually checked her website for this information before embarking on this particular journey. Long story short, I accidentally ended up with somewhere in the region of three packs of a dozen eggs in my possession, so 36 eggs. Half intentionally, but then things got a little bit out of hand. Um, so I thought I'd use up some of these eggs uh, and make some soft-boiled eggs to have with some toast soldiers, one of my favourite simple breakfasts. Uh, and I thought, I know, I'll boil a bunch of these eggs up to make some egg mayonnaise later for sandwiches or wraps or some such. Now, I use Delia's method for soft-boiling eggs. It, it's never actually been perfect, but it's pretty close. Um, you boil the water, then dunk your eggs in for one minute with it still on the heat, still boiling away. Uh, then put a lid on, take it off the heat, and leave it for six minutes for really soft eggs, seven minutes for soft eggs, and eight minutes for slightly less soft eggs. In reality, this six minutes always seems to be a complete lie. I've I've tried longer, and it's still not quite right, uh, till, still too soft, or it goes way past being soft, and I can't stand a, a really hard egg for dunking. Anyway, those eggs were a, a tad under, but I prefer them a tad under, I guess, a little sprinkle of salt and a, a dunk with a nice crispy buttered soldier, delish. Um, the eggs I continued to boil for the, the egg mayo, however, were an utter disaster. Peeling them, the shell would come off in huge clumps with cooked egg white attached, revealing still wobbly and almost translucent undercooked egg inside. And yet the yolks were completely solid. It was very, very weird. Um, I battled my way through six of these disaster eggs, peeling them, trying to salvage something, but none of them produced any usable hashtag content, unfortunately. It was it was quite spectacular, really. Here I am, uh, a world-renowned cook with a widely syndicated cooking segment on a hugely popular podcast with a world-wide audience and hordes of adoring fans who hang on my every culinary word. And this week I failed to boil an egg. Um, and I've still got about 25 of these eggs left. Uh, I wonder, is it possible to screw up scrambled eggs? Uh, now, I know for a fact it is, um, but I've actually got a technique for scrambled eggs pretty much down. Um, maybe I need to redeem my egg self with that. Onwards, on to my next egg venture. So that's it for this week. Thank you for listening, wherever in the world you are. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. We're on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Amazon Podcasts, and now YouTube as well. The next episode will be out next Friday. Join us on YouTube for the Transatlantic Connection show and become part of the Transatlantic Connection movement. Head to youtube.com slash thelongroadband. If you fancy buying us a coffee, you now can at buymeacoffee.com slash thelongroadband. It's dead simple to just drop us a few quid to support what we do. It even accepts Apple Pay and Google Pay. Super easy. Uh, all of our music and merch is on on Bandcamp, where you can help support a positive ecosystem for the music industry. Download streaming, vinyls, CDs, the companion book. It's all there, thelongroadband.bandcamp.com. We're on Patreon at patreon.com slash thevagabondway. Big thank you to our Patreons and a special shout-out to Orla Flynn, James Lydon, Stuart Lydon, Yvette Lydon, and Trish Taylor. Thank you for your ongoing support. If you'd like to support us, become a Vagabonder. You'll get free digital stuff and merchandise in the post if you want it. Help us create something different, something that entertains, and something that inspires others. So join us on the journey and release The Vagabond Within. Patreon.com slash thevagabondway. Thank you once again, brave adventurers, vagabonds and explorers, for joining us on the Vagabond Way. Remember, the world isn't beige. It's authentic, it's rich, and it's real. Embrace every last bit of it. Until next time, the journey goes ever on with The Long Road. Bye for now.